0: Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. You guys can be seated. How's everybody doing today? (coughs) Everybody doing okay? All right, all right, all right, all right. My iPad keeps uh, going out, so... Uh, We may be going to cell phone notes. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Well, I think it's uh, get engaged or um, uh, get married season. Uh, There's a lot of people who are at weddings this weekend. It's really cool. I I was trying to think of all of them. I've got a former student of mine who means the world to me. She got married yesterday. Uh, For those that don't know, Caroline Dalton got married yesterday, which is awesome if you know her. Uh, But yeah. Yeah, I think um, Ed is back in the back. Ed is happy that Savannah, his daughter, is gonna be off the payroll. So that's good, right? He looked at her and said, all right, now the car's yours, God bless, see ya. And if you know Ed, you know that's a lie. He, she's never gonna be off the payroll. Uh, but so yeah, it's good stuff. Several people, I've Michelle and Bill Main are also, uh, we think it was, was it yesterday, I think, or today? It was yesterday, it's today. I think they're, they're there, and her son's getting married, uh, their son's getting married today. So that's exciting for them too, so, and you guys are all here with me hanging out, so that's good stuff. Good stuff. Jonathan, where's Jonathan? Jonathan, thank you for filling in last week. <clears throat> I heard you did better than I usually do, so you'll never do it again. So I appreciate it, so <clears throat> more to come. How many fish did you catch, Jonathan? Seven fish. You, so it went up? Good. That's good. Yeah, they, he, uh, Jonathan does an annual trip with some local dudes, and he went fishing at the end of this week, so it was good. Uh, yeah, so glad you guys are doing well. If you have your Bibles, turn to John 19. We're going to be in John 19 today. We're going through, and we are almost, don't get excited yet, but we are almost at the end of John. We've got three more, cha- three more chapters to go, okay? So, three more chapters to go. So, I want to remind you today what uh, the book of John is about. The book of John is uh is this it was separated into two different parts Uh, one was the book of signs. the other one was the book of glory but the book of john is mainly written in john chapter 20 verse 31 you can see this it says but these are written so that you may continue to believe that jesus is the messiah the son of god and by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name and that is what it's for now i tell you this every week and i want to tell you again That doesn't just mean that you have eternal life. And the good thing is, is that you do have eternal life. You do have eternal life by the power of his name, but it also means that you have life here today. And so I want to let you know, God doesn't want you to go through your life miserable and and bothered and and heavy burdened. He doesn't want you to do that. And a lot of times we have to go through things like that. Uh, Some of us here at the school are going through that now, but the reality is, is that we can have the burden in our life, but we don't want the burden in our heart. Are you with me? So we can, we can be, be sure because of where Holy Spirit resides that we can walk through those burdens and we can, we can know. And here's where other people come in too. We can know that, that Christ is, nothing surprises him. God is still on the throne and he's still in control. And we know in the end what occurs. But when you're going through that thing, I want to give you some advice that I've, I've had to take myself and it's this. Reach out for other people and let other people minister to you. Are you with me? Are you with me? I just feel like I need to say that this morning. Just reach out. Listen, let other people minister to you. That's what the church is. We don't come here just to sing and have some great donuts and uh, and hang out and drink some good coffee and listen to a sermon. What we do is we come here to carry each other's burdens. That's one of the things that we do. And so make sure you are doing that today. I want to read from John chapter 19. This is going to be a little different today, but I do want to read through, okay? And I want to read through, and and as I read through, I want to remind you of something. And that's what I'm going to do today. I want to remind you of something that a lot of us have forgotten. Now, I will tell you that if you've ever been in an Easter service, most of you have have heard and read these a a, a ton. You know that this is, you've, you've heard these over and over and over and over again. But I want to read them in a little bit different way for you today. Starting in verse one, it says, "Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tip whip." And I want you to understand something: he he was flogged with a lead-tip whip. There were three different levels of flogging, and one was minor. And now, for me, there's one level of flogging: pain. That's the level for me. But there were three different levels, and. There was one level that was minoring for minor offenses. There was a medium level, and then there was the most extreme level. And the most extreme level was, was 39 lashes. They, they, they often say that, that if you had, had, had the 40 or 41, you'd have died. But Jesus had the most extreme level of flogging. And I want you to understand something. He did that. He did that for you. And he did that for me. He did. He did. The soldiers will have a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and a purple robe on him. And Jesus, even though he's all powerful, allowed the crown of thorns and the robe to be put on him, and for the thorns to pierce his, his scalp and his head. He did that. Even though he was the creator of the world, even though he could have immediately, with one word, just like he did in the Garden of Gethsemane when he spoke the word, who is it that you're looking for, and they fell backwards. He could have done that immediately, but he didn't do that. And he didn't do that because of you and because of me. Hail, King of the Jews! They mocked as they slapped him across the face. And Pilate went outside again and said to the people, "I am going to bring him out to you, but understand clearly that if I find uh, I find not him not guilty." Then Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and purple robe, and Pilate said, "Look at this! Uh, look, look! Here is the man." And Jesus walked out. He walked out, and he willingly walked out, and he willingly had taken the lashes, and he willingly put on the robe, and he willingly put on the crown of thorns. And He did that willingly because of the love that He has for you and the love that He has for me. I want want you to understand that every single thing that He allowed to do was a choice by Him. They did nothing to Him that was not allowed by Him. Whenever I have seen different documentaries about about uh, um, uh, an execution, I, I watch those things sometimes and I've, I've seen different documentaries because it kind of fascinates me. And they always have to strap chains around the ankles and, and around the, 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 the wrist and they always have to have these special chains. And when they come in, oftentimes they'll fight and not want to get in there. Jesus didn't do any of that. He literally willingly did it. And he willingly did it because of the love that he has for you and the love that he has for me. And verse 6 says, When they saw him, the leading priests, the temple guards, began shouting, Crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourself and crucify him, Pilate said. I found him not guilty. And the Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. And when Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? And here's what Jesus said you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. And then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leader shouted, if you release the man, you are no friend of Caesar. And here's where it shows Pilate's being a politician because the last thing Pilate wanted to be was no friend of Caesar. He wanted to be a friend of Caesar because he knew that if they started reporting back that Pilate was doing things that was against Caesar, he would then find himself being flogged. He would then find himself being killed. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. If you have your Bible, mark under that rebel against Caesar just for a second because I'm gonna show you something here in a minute that happened. Rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. And then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement uh, in in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It It was now noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him, crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar. Do you hear that? And I want you to know something. Jesus allowed every bit of this drama to play out. He could, I want you to understand something. The very earth, when you walk out today, the very earth that you see, the very earth that you see was spoken to existence, was spoken to existence in the beginning. And the Scriptures say that nothing was created unless it was created through Him. And the person that uh, created the earth allowed the drama to go on, and He allowed the drama to go on because of the mission that He was on. And the reason He was on the mission was because of His love for you and His love for me. You can see the real heart of the people when you read this text. And it says this We have no king but Caesar. Remember, those are the Jewish people. How do you think God felt about that? We have no king but Caesar. Remember back in the Old Testament, remember God appointed judges and they kept saying, No, we want to be like all these other other countries, we want our own king. And so finally they said, well, okay, fine. God said, fine, have your king. And Saul was the king that was anointed. And he was a failure. And now we fast forward all these years, and they're shouting, we have no king but Caesar. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away, and Jesus willingly went away. He willingly went with them, and he did that because of his love for you and because of his love for me. And carrying the cross by himself, and I love how that is a short little verse with so much meaning. Carrying the cross by himself. He carried the cross by himself, because of his love for you and because of His love for me. And he went to the place of, of skull. In Hebrew, it's called Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross, and Jesus stretched out his hands, literally stretched out his hands. They didn't have to fight him. They didn't have to strap him down and do. He stretched out his hands. And He allowed His hands and His feet to be nailed to the cross. And He did that because of His love for you and His love for me. That's why He did it. Two others were crucified with Him, one on either side, and with Jesus being between. And Pilate posted a sign that, that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priest objected and said to Pilate, change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am king of the Jews. And Pilate said this, no, I've written what I've written. And when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also... Took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tear it apart, let's throw dice for it. And here it is. The scriptures are filled from the Old Testament. They divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. And Jesus allowed all of this to happen. Because of his love for you. And because of his love for me. And as he's hanging on the cross, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, and that's John, by the way, the writer of the book, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciples, Here is your mother. And from then on, His disciples took her into his home. And Jesus allowed all this to happen because of his love for you and his love for me. I want to go back a little bit, though, and I want to teach you a little bit today. I've talked to you about this before. This is not new teaching that I'm going to tell you here, but I've talked to you about this before, but I think it is a powerful, powerful thing to understand. If you go back just a couple of verses in John 18, let's do that, John 18. If you go back a couple of verses, starting in verse 38, it says, What is truth, Pilate asked, and then here it is. Then he went out again to the people and told them, He is not guilty of any crime. And then he says this, But you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews? But they shouted back, no, not this man. We want Barabbas. Barabbas was a revolutionary. The first thing I want you to know today is this, is that the people made a choice. The people made a choice. Now, who were the people that made a choice? Well, let me tell you who they were. They were some of the people that had been fed by the loaves and the fish. And they were some of the people that had seen and had heard his miracles. They may have even been some of the people that were waving palm branches just four or five days earlier. And they made their choice. And what was their choice? Well, I've shared this with you before. There are two Jesuses on the stage here in front of Pilate. There's Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, and the Son of God. But what I've shared with you before is, and don't ever forget it, is that there was also Barabbas. And the interesting thing in history is is that it was Barabbas. Jesus Barabbas was his name. Jesus Christ and Jesus Barabbas. And what does Barabbas mean? Well, it comes from two words, Bar-Abbas, it means son of the Father. There's two Jesuses there. There's one from heaven and one from the world. And the people stood and they waited and they waited and he came out and they said, do you want the one from heaven? And they said, no, give us the revolutionary Jesus Barabbas. We want him to be set free. We choose the world. Now here's something interesting to note. Barabbas was set free for the same thing that Jesus was accused and crucified of doing. As being a revolutionary. Barabbas' crime was that which Jesus never did but was crucified for. And the same is true for you, and the same is true for me. Because our, our crime, our crime, our sin, our actions, our thoughts, our behaviors, Jesus was crucified for a crime He didn't commit. But the people made a choice. The people made a choice. They had Jesus Christ the anointed Messiah, and they had Jesus Barabbas, the revolutionary from the world. And every day, every day, I see people making choices. Jesus Christ or Jesus Barabbas. Now it doesn't look like this. It doesn't. It doesn't. For us, it would be Jesus Christ or money, Jesus Christ or possessions, Jesus Christ or people, Jesus Christ or political parties. They choose things that are not eternal. But the scripture says that Jesus stands and he knocks at the door, waiting for you to open. The people made a choice. The people made a choice. The second thing I want you to see about this text that you may have not known or thought of, and I will tell you that I hadn't really contemplated this until I did some research and really read and went in a little bit deeper on on these texts, is this. I always thought in my mind that Jesus' suffering was physical, and it was physical. But I want to tell you something. Jesus did not only suffer physically physically. Jesus' suffering was in three parts. It was. As you know and I know, He suffered physically. Jesus suffered. We've all seen the movies, if you've seen the different movies that show Jesus' horrific suffering. We've seen the flesh ripped off the back and we've seen Him suffer physically. And He suffered physically for you And he did it for me. And we know the flogging that he took. We know the crown of thorns. We know the carrying the cross. We know the walk to Golgotha. We know that. We know the receiving of the nails. We know that. And we we know that he was on the cross for nearly six hours and he hung there. And we know that there was a, a great, great cry as he was dying, waiting to die. We know that he suffered physically. But I want to tell you something else. Jesus also suffered relationally. I want you to hear that. See, relationships are so important to us that we forget that they're important to Jesus too. And there's a little hint, there's a little little hint that we can find if we look at it. We see him being physically abused. But when they start to talk about those people that were at the cross that had walked through with him. Remember, you guys, I want you to think about this. 5,000 men, plus their families, probably 15,000, ate loaves and fish with this man. He goes across to the other side. They follow him around. This was a popular guy. And the only people that would be there were his mom, a few ladies, and one disciple. And that's it. Jesus suffered relationally. Those he had traveled with. Those he had provided for. Those he had helped. Those he had been there for. Those he had fed. And they all left him to be mocked, beaten, and killed. Jesus suffered relationally. He suffered physically and he suffered relationally. But there's another way he suffered, and it was this. Jesus suffered emotionally. If I asked you what your biggest fear right now would be, it would be this. Um, Maybe it would be the fear of dying. I don't know. Uh, And so we have that emotional fear of dying. I've always said I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of getting dead. Does that make sense? I'm not afraid of the actual death. It's just like the getting dead part that's got me kind of messed up. But the second closest thing would probably be to be ridiculed in front of other people, to be mocked in front of other people, to be shamed in front of other people. I could ask you right now, what is your most embarrassing moment? I could ask you that. And right now, as I ask you that question, your brain is going back in your mind. And you're thinking, what your most embarrassing moment is? Because there's an emotional tie to that. I want you to realize something. Jesus was fully human. He suffered physically. He suffered relationally. But he also suffered emotionally. And we forget the whole demeaning part. We forget that there was a moment for the whole world to see. And the emotions that he felt were 100% real and 100% human emotions. The scripture says that he was literally poured out on the altar like a drink offering. And his mother was looking on. And Jesus suffered emotionally because of the abandonment and because of the failure of those that were supposed to have his back all the way till the end. And so when you have emotional struggles when you have emotional suffering when you have relational suffering when you have physical suffering you didn't know something man jesus gets you he knows where you are he understands you he understands it it's not foreign to him as a matter of fact he did all of those things on the world think about this the world's largest stage ever ever Ever, And He was there. And why did He do it? I'll tell you why He did it. He did it all for you, and He did it all for me. Let's look at Galatians 3.13 and see what it says. Galatians 3.13 says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When He was hung on the cross, He took upon Himself the curse, here it is, for our wrongdoing. He took upon the curse for our wrongdoing. Why did he allow the crown of thorns? Why did he allow the mocking? Why did he allow the robe? Why did he allow the carrying of his cross? Why did he allow the flogging? Why did he allow the crucifixion? Why did he allow the nails? Why did he... Because it was for our wrongdoing for his written curses everyone who's hung on a tree first peter 2:24 says this it says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so why would he do that why would he carry our sins in his body on the cross well i'm glad you ask so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds you are healed. Isaiah 53, 5 says this. It says, But He was pierced for our rebellion. Another translation says, He was pierced for our transgressions, and He was crushed for our sins, and He was beaten so we could be whole. I want you to think about that for a second. Get that in your mind. If you were standing here today and someone said, hey, you can be whole, you can have salvation, you can have all that, but this guy is going to have to be beaten to death, you would have to think about it. You would say, I I don't know, I don't think I can do that. And Jesus says, I'll do it. He was beaten so that you could be whole and he was whipped so that you could be healed. And he did it all because he loves you and he loves me. The one who sculpted the world. The one who spoke it into existence. The one who in the Garden of Gethsemane asked one simple question and the soldiers were not backwards on the ground. That one suffered for you and for me. And in a few weeks, we're going to see the way He chose to come. He came as a lowly baby. He endured the shame of the world. He walked to the cross. He bled and He died so that we could be healed. And He did that for you and for me. The question that every person on earth today has to answer. What will you do with Jesus? Let me pray for you. God, thank You so much for today, God. Thank You for Your sacrifice. Thank You for taking on the sin of the world for us. Thank You so much, God, for who You are in our lives. Thank You, God, that we, even though we don't understand it completely, we say we do, but we don't. We don't have a clear comprehension. One day, hopefully, we'll understand the full ramifications of everything You did. Right now, God, we just sit here as lowly servants of You, and we receive... We receive the blessing of grace. We receive the blessing of salvation. God, may our hearts and our minds be drawn to Your sacrifice. And may we make the choice. May we make the choice to not only believe, but to follow You. until the day we go home with you. You did it, God. Because you love them and you love me. And that, that we will never fully comprehend. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand for our final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others and live real.